Welcome to episode 103. 103. That's 103 of Offbeat Tracks. Number I can't find anything fun for. Which means we're one week away from two years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, how about that? We still haven't grown as people. Awful. <laughs> nope. nope. Still 5'6". Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my name's Max. Hello. I'm Danielle. And this is uh, very exciting. This is our very first ever listener-suggested episode. Yes. Uh, someone with the username SanB emailed us and asked us to do an episode on Mel and Kim. Yeah. And I said, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, like, we'll totally do a Mel and Kim episode. I think they've been on our list for like ever. We yes. just never pick them. I've long loved Mel and Kim. They, they're one in that many list of people who right when I started getting into the more offbeat 80s music, they were a pretty easy one to stumble into because of their insane popularity in the UK in the 80s. And they're easily likable, too, because it's fun music. It's a stock oh cake and Waterman. How do you not love it? I'm glad uh, that you brought that up already. I mean, they are... That's what this is. They are some of the most likable people we've probably <laughs> ever covered on this show. Like you, you know how like, a lot of the people were like, we love these songs, and then they'll throw in some little like weird ballad that they're trying to do, and we don't know why, because no one wants it. Yeah, or like they have a bad attitude or do something crappy or whatever. Yeah, yeah not no, Mel and Kim. They're, yeah. that's what, they're, they're just going to do this. They're, they're pure fun. <laughs> they're pure fun front to back. All right, so let's talk about Mel and Kim's uh, background. Um, Kim is the older of the sisters. She was born in 1961. Mel came along uh, five years later in 1966. In uh, They were from Hackney, which is a neighborhood in London. Mm-hmm. Um, they, <laughs> they noted, I found this wonderful interview from way back when, I guess, uh, explaining that at the beginning of their careers, they started by working in Fine Fair, which I think is a UK grocery chain. So they worked at a supermarket together. They kind of they they were like always together. They did everything yeah. together, right? Which is funny because they were five years apart. I could get it if they were twins. You know what's weird? I always thought they were twins. Yeah, they look exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. They, they when they're look... apart, I can tell who it is. But when you get them like in a video together, I think Kim they was look taller. Exactly yeah, the same. I think Kim exactly. was a little bit taller. Yeah. So um, they worked in Fine Fair, which is the grocery store. They worked as re- receptionists and finally a factory. <laughs> uh, Mel says that uh, they wore shirt skirts to get like get hired at the factory job. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. And I- I'm going to tell you now with these two, they really don't take themselves very seriously. Yeah, I think I think that this is just like in the nature of their being. This is like their upbringing, wherever it, they this is they just, they just don't take themselves seriously. And it comes across in literally everything they say and do in their music, in the interviews. It's all there. So and that's why they're likable. Yes. So I was I was literally laughing out loud to myself reading this interview, just imagining them saying these things in their their very thick accents. So the deal was Mel's mom saw that they were miserable working in this factory and so uh, Mel's mom goes to Mel and says, hey, you could really be a model. You know, you're you're very sexy and sent a Polaroid of Mel off to uh, I think it was the star. One, it's one of those UK newspapers. So then suddenly everybody wanted Mel for um, for a photography projects. So Mel ends up starting. She gets gigs as topless and uh, topless and nude model and starts doing that for a while and then meets a music manager at age 19 years old. She's only 19 at this point. This guy named Alan Whitehead and he puts her in this thing called the Glamour Girl Roadshow. Oh and the Glamour like Glamour Girl is such like a outdated World War II term <laughs> to me. So it's kind of weird that this was a thing in the 80s. But basically it was a female version of Chip and Dales. And Mel was in this traveling stripper show thing. Um, you can actually find video of her performing with them on YouTube in one of the clubs singing a Mary Jane Girls song. Um, 
So uh, she was in this this road show traveling around. Everybody kind of noted she was like the clear standout of this glamour girl road show that it was basically then Mel with all the other girls. <laughs> um, and then very suddenly she got diagnosed with liver cancer. Um, and they said, hey, you probably should not be doing this dancing and modeling anymore. It's too hard on you. So Mel said, okay, cool. And she said, I kind of want to be a singer anyway, and told this to this Alan Whitehead guy. And he's like, well, you know what? Lucky enough, I know this dude who does music, and I, I think that you this is a good career path for you. So she uh, he takes Mel over to this guy, Steve Rowland, and they end up cutting a four-track demo, just Mel, with, with Steve Rowland. And uh, he says, hey, do you have any talented relatives? And she's like, well, hold on. Yes, I do. So she, <laughs> the way they tell it in the interview, Kim says, I remember Mel called me at the factory and she went, Kim, I just met this geezer and he said we can be pop stars. <laughs> <laughs> and like knowing what I know about the two of them, like Steve Rowland, the geezer was probably like standing right next to her as she's oh, yeah. saying all this to him. Geezer is a very popular word in England, though. They just like use it for that's like their dude kind of. Oh, Giza. Okay. You know, they do it all the time. That's good to know. Yeah, it's it's more common. It's like if I called somebody a geezer here in America, it would like have a worse connotation, I think. So what ended up happening? They cut a demo. They brought Kim in, had her probably over the same songs, I would imagine. And they had this demo tape and shipped it off to Supreme Records. And then after they didn't hear anything, they actually took a boombox and went down to the Supreme Records office and like started singing and dancing in the office until someone would talk to them. Well, there you go. That's, again. <laughs> so, uh, oh, by the way, did you happen to notice in your research what their original name was? No, I didn't see that. This is great. You can probably figure it out. So they ended up calling themselves Mel and Kim, obviously. Kim and Mel. Take out the and. Kimmel. Kimmel. Kimmel was their <laughs> original name. Isn't that funny? That's kind of cool. <laughs> so uh, Supreme signed him and said, hey, we've got this production team that's kind of up and coming and we think you'd work great with them. So they threw him up with uh, Stock Aiken Waterman. And Which is pretty fun. There you go. That was that was the first record. So late 1986, they toss out the very first single, Showing Out, Get Fresh at the Weekend. <laughs> Get Fresh at the Weekend. Which is just such a damn good song, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it is uh, completely, what is the word here? Uh, there's no real substance to it. It's just a little party dance song. Yeah, That's it's fun. It and, was a uh, good showcase of their personalities yeah, because it's, it's literally all about wearing flashy clothes and going out at night. Exactly. And, and saying, it was dang it, I'm going to look good and everybody's going to be looking at me. Um, this was a huge, huge, huge hit. Number three in the UK, number one in Germany, Switzerland. Um, it even charted in the US. It was a number one yeah. on the dance chart, and it hit number 78 on the Hot 100 also. I think it's like a perfect mid-80s club song. Yes. You could just, oh, it's perfect. Yep. Um, just a, a really, really nice springboard for them. Uh, yeah, and this, I'm also living for the video. Living for it. And their little hats. Yes. Love it. And their little, like, kick choreography. It's, like, so detached and basic but it's perfect i don't know what it is it's just perfect So February 1987, it came time to drop a second single, and they dropped what I think would be the biggest hit of their careers, yeah. the song Respectable. Um, this was 
Here's a list of all the places Respectable went number one. The UK, Australia, Belgium, Germany, Netherlands, New Zealand, Switzerland, and on the US dance charts. It was a number one all those places. Um, I mentioned earlier that Mel had kind of done some nude modeling very early on. That's what this song is about. Yeah. Basically, people were coming up to, you know, I guess in that day it was still a big deal that someone would pose naked and then do something else, you know, heaven forbid. And still um, kind of that way now. Her quote about it says, nude stuff is okay. (laughs) God, these people, I cannot. (laughs) She says, nude stuff is okay as long as you haven't got your legs all over the place and all your particles showing. The shots I did probably helped shift a few copies of our first record, so I ain't complaining. <laughs> I mean, girl's got a point. Yeah, she does. Like. <laughs> I've never understood why people care about that. It's like, you want to see titties. You know you want to see titties. Mm. So stop complaining when you see titties, the, and then the person whose titties you saw also wants to continue having a career. People want all that stuff, but you can't act like you want it. You have to pretend that so, you don't. And so you slimy. Pretend. I know, it's just stupid. It's the, yeah, it's the uh, respectability... Catch twenty two of life. <laughs> so it's hypocritical. One other note about this video. Um, I it's it, it's this bizarre thing where there's like a policeman watching them dancing in an alleyway. I guess they're like getting ready to go out to a club because like Mel shows up and she's like, "Hey Kim, come down here." And then they just dance and sing the whole song in an alleyway instead of like actually going out. And right at the end, they walk by the cop and he goes, "Hey, they're hot." Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, that creeped me out. I remember that. And I was like, "What part?" Yeah. God, that was creepy. Taking chances, bold advances. Don't care if you think we're out of line. Conversation is interrogation. Get out of here, we just don't have the time. Finally, April 1987, the album drops. It is called FLM. Officially, on paper, this means fun, love, and money, but unofficially... Did you read this? There's an unofficial? There's an unofficial, yeah, because it. the joke was it came from an expression that they started saying in the recording studio uh, when they would have a good vocal take, which was, fucking lovely, mate. <laughs> So that became FLM, and that was what they ended up calling the album. To me, the fun, love, and money is stupid. (laughs) It's stupid. Like, it's a dumb abbreviation, but that's even dumber, but I like it more. Yeah, it's way more them. Fucking lovely, mate. Um, The album went number three in the UK. It was a top ten across Europe. It it was just, I mean, they were basically on top of the universe at this point. They were so popular. Yeah, that, that song off of it, that FLM song, is very cute. Yeah, and let's end. let's talk about the that because that was the next single. It came out in uh, June of '87. FLM, the title track. This went to number seven in the UK charts. Um, so, what was going on around this time? Yeah. Mel's back pain started getting kind of out of control. Um, she did not know it yet, but the the cancer had come back. Her liver cancer had come back, um, and she was in excruciating back pain. And no one knew because they didn't talk about this to anyone. Um, They had planned a 10-day stint in Japan, and uh, they also played um, the Montreux Festival, I think is what it's called. Um, So what happened, they went to Japan, and then the the management wanted them to extend the trip in Japan by like two weeks or something, Um, but Mel couldn't do it. Um, 
so they were also supposed to shoot a music video for FLM around this time. Mm-hmm. So what they ended up doing was they took video footage from the Montreux Festival. So if you watch the FLM video, it's them performing at Montreux. And they also shot these weird scenes with a guy playing a PI, like a private investigator, and put together this like weird story for the video <laughs> that doesn't make a lot of sense. But um, it was returning from Japan that Kim famously uh, was pushing Mel in a wheelchair when they got off of the plane. And that was kind of what started alerting people that something was going on with with Mel's health. Um, But she wouldn't confirm it. She said she um, she lied and said that she had slipped a disc in her back and her spine. And that was what was causing her pain. But she's so it's just important to note is around this time when Uh this is starting to get very difficult for Mel. And they have just taken off. Yeah. But as far as this song goes, as FLM, um, I, I think it's an odd kind of an odd choice, actually, for the third single. I think it is, too. I mean, it's fine. It's fun. It's that whole thing that they do it's okay um i just i don't know i don't really love it as much as the others but i do love the line i love money boyfriends are boring <laughs> yes like, that is a great line and true so true wanted to touch on I'm the one who really loves you this only got released in the US Um, I believe it hit top 10 US dance if not it was Mm -hmm. close Um, and the remixes uh, in the US worth noting were done by uh, CNC Music Factory Clivellis and Cole (laughs) (laughs) and they did uh, some really nice remixes the the album version is very kind of a standard um, Stock Aiken Waterman sound but they kind of did a more house thing with it Mm -hmm. that's like Garage House was starting to become a thing Kind of like a response to this was like New York's answer to Chicago's house music that was kind of like a little bit more soulful and had more prominent bass. And Mel and Kim were doing that with a lot of their the cuts on this first album. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, I think it's a very sweet little song. I love happy go lucky synth pop because synth pop lends itself so well to it. So like I, I can just see this song be completely <laughs> gross and too cheesy in any other format but like they do it perfectly in a good synth pop way where it's like you can't not love it i love that and, about yeah, synth but, pop. And, and you can't you can't not love them you know exactly they're just so sweet and cute and the i love the little toot toot yeah it's I'm the best, toot toot. Yeah, <laughs> it's the best. awesome So we're in November of 1987 now, and at this point, Mel has been out of the public eye for four months, um, has not done any press, no photography, nothing. Um, they had been writing their own music for their second album because they, I think that they they could have demanded anything for their second album at this point. They were so popular and the studio would have said, sure, do whatever you want. So they're writing their own music for this, for this second album. Um, Kim started recording some of the scratch tracks by herself. Um, Mel, who was in the hospital by now, 
Um, they snuck her out of the hospital. This was January of 88. Um, they snuck her out of the hospital at 1030 at night and with almost no staff in the recording studio brought her in and she, they sang two songs. They recorded two tracks that night and then had her back in the hospital by 6 a.m. Um, and the first one of those songs is That's the Way It Is, which was uh, the first single that was off of the intended second Melonkin album that never happened. Spoiler alert. Yep. Um, this was a big hit, though. This came out in February of 88, so just a month later. Um, and it went number 10 in the UK, number 9 um, uh, in the US on the dance chart. And... They are not anywhere to be found in the video. Um, yeah, Mel, for reasons. Mel is still saying that she has a slip disc at this point. That's why she wasn't in the video. But um, yeah, people are starting to yeah to understand what's going on. So, uh, but the song that's the way it is. Lovely. Um, I think it's, it's fun. It yeah, it's it's good stuff. Um, uh, the it, video is stupid. The people who sneak into the yeah. studio, the Mel and Kim shoot where there is no Mel and Kim. I feel like, I feel like they picked I, the worst dancers they did. in the United Kingdom. <laughs> like, I feel like that had to have been part of the audition. They were like, we want cute people but who also cannot dance. And then like they come right. and dance and they're like, I'm sorry, <laughs> you're dancing too cool. We need someone who uh, is literally a grandmother while dancing. <laughs> <laughs> and it, like I could not, I, I had to stop That's the funny. video because I could not watch it anymore. It's like try harder. So he said, you can't carry on, and now your hearts get In March of 1988, so the single's been out for a month, that single's been out for a month, um, a tabloid gets hold of a photo of um, Mel that was taken privately in their home. I don't know how that photo was leaked. I never could figure that out. But somehow they got a picture of basically Kim holding Mel up, um, and Mel was not looking well. Um, And so they knew that the tabloids were going to expose what was going on. So three days before the tabloids ran the photo, they had a press conference. Mel finally admits she has cancer. Um, they did uh, at least one more TV interview because I found it. It'll be um, in the on our website for this episode uh, on this page. You'll you'll be able to find that interview and watch it. It's 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 really interesting. It's 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 sad, but it's mm-hmm. good to see like her strength to to talk about the illness and what was going on with her and be honest. Um, she did. She finally did pass away um, on January eighteenth, nineteen ninety. So um, she did live for another, you know, two years after this almost. Yeah. I mean, she she probably could have lived a little longer, but she just died from pneumonia because she caught a cold because the chemotherapy made her so susceptible yeah, to it. And she and ended up dying happens. of that, which is um, crazy. So Kim wants to carry on, obviously, and is like, you know, this is what Mel would want. She wants me to carry on, but obviously can't continue on as Mel and Kim. So Kim is dating Craig Logan, who was in the group Bross. Because Lord knows one of the most British things ever is just something about Bross being inserted into something that isn't about Bross. It's all the time. Bross were really just inserting themselves everywhere. It's very true. (laughs) Um, So Craig helps Kim put together a debut solo album. Um, And the first single that they release off of it, which is October of 1990. So just later on the same same year that, that Mel has passed. Um, she released this song, Don't Worry, as the first single. Uh, went number two in the UK and top ten across Europe. Um, 
it's a uh, it's very much like about grief and loss more more under the guise of like yeah. heartbreak um but you can tell it was probably a very cathartic song for her to write. And if you look, interestingly enough, at the, lining, the liner notes for this album, this is the only track of all the songs on Kim's de- um, debut album that Mel does not have a uh, co-writing credit on. Wow. Okay. So the, all, the rest of the songs on this record, including the ones we're going to talk about, were all written with Mel. This was from the sessions of the second Mel and Kim album. Uh, yeah, I really like this song. I mean, it's a fun song. You know, it's danceable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what I like about it, I love, I mean, there's a whole genre of like breakup songs, but I love a song that's like an uplifting one. Like, this is like one of those that's like, you know what? You just got out of this thing. I know you're sad. Cool. Be sad for a minute, but it's going to be okay. Like, you know, I love the uplifting, like not angry breakup song. There are so few of those. I feel like the angry ones are always the ones that get the attention, but this is the uplifting, happy one. Like, you know what? It's not going to hurt later. You're good. I love it. Now he's gone. Left you for another. You're not the first. You may not discover. Don't you cry. You'll get by. You'll be back on your feet. In no time, you'll be fine. Don't worry. You got hurt. You got hurt. You're not the first. Your heart aches. It won't last. It will pass. Don't worry. Kim's uh, debut solo album which is self-titled comes out in november of 1990 it goes to number 23 on the uk charts she drops single number two in january of 1991 um glad we're back to the uh we're back to the acronyms god we just love not to spell out what we're talking about don't we (laughs) glad stands for good love and devotion which is very evident when you listen to the song because that's the chorus um I think it, it was a really interesting blend of the kind of the classic Mel and Kim sound, but updated for the 90s. Yeah, this is very 90s. I mean, it sounds completely, you know, what was happening in late 1991. Mm-hmm. It sounds completely like that. And it's fine. I'm just okay on this one. I really like that it was included. And I really love that it was the second single because I do feel like it was Kim going, look, this was kind of our vision for the future and where we wanted to be at this moment. Mel's not here with me to share this, but... It was kind of like her way of going, this is this is what it would have been. Yeah, and it would have been good. Mm-hmm. The single Mama comes out in July of 91, goes to number 19 on the UK charts. Um, I really love the beat in this one because it almost uh-huh. sounds like it comes from a Casio. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's like a weird little funky song that's like way more ballady than they've ever done. Yeah, yeah. It's like close. It's not quite a ballad, but it's close. It's like still updated enough where you could play it in a lot of places that aren't just adult contemporary radio, but it's, I don't know, it's a sweet little funky song. It's fine. Though the times were hard, we tried to keep a smile. Thinking, will it ever change? Will life ever be worthwhile? Mama said, Now don't you cry. Everything's gonna be alright. Don't you worry, you'll be just fine. Things will change, you'll see in time. Love is all that you have to do. My love will see you through. Love will see you through. 
October of 1991, uh, one last single off of this album called If You Cared. Um, yeah, I was I was super into this one. This is another breakup song that's also uplifting and like, okay, because what I love about it is that she's so confident in it. I think it's like the delivery that she does it. It's not like an angry or sad. Is she just like the way she delivers it and the way she is in the video? She's just like, this is what I'm doing. If you cared, it'd be whatever. You know, and like, I don't know. I love the way she delivers it. It comes off as confident and not necessarily emotional. Just like, this is how it is. It's done. Bye. And I love that about this song. It's so cool. This was apparently first performed by, by Mel and Kim together in 1988. Um, or a like a little snippet was played of it. So this might have been something that came from some demos or scratches that they cut for that second album that never happened. Interesting. Um, because I think during some, at some point in a 1988 interview, they played a snippet of it, like a Mel and Kim version of it. So that is out there somewhere. Kim does release a uh, second album called Breakaway in July of 1993 with the first single Light of the World. She's definitely like embracing the Eurohouse sound at this oh, point. Yeah. Like I feel like she, uh, Light of the World, she basically walked into the studio and she was like, hey guys, I got a vision for this one. I need to be literally Crystal Waters. Like that, <laughs> This is like Crystal Waters to me. Yeah, that's, that's, exactly a, that's a fair like Crystal comparison. Waters. Very fair comparison. I mean, I could do it without it. It's fine. It's whatever. I could just, you know, it's there. And then one more single released in 1994 that I don't think ever ended up on an album, but it's called Free Spirit. Um, only worth noting, uh, just because it was produced, I don't know if you saw this, it was produced by Stock and Aitken. Yeah, but not Waterman. Not Waterman. Um, but yeah, going going back yeah. to her roots, they said, sure, Kim, we'll, we'll do another is, single with you. This song is weird to me. It feels like not a complete song. It feels like three different songs put together yeah, and you in almost a wonder, messy way. Yeah, you almost kind of wonder if it was a demo or something that... Yeah, it's it's like they had skeletons of it, and then they just filled yeah. in other parts. The chorus is awesome, yeah. but it does not match with any of the rest of it. It's weird to listen to. But yeah, I agree with that. Like if they just redid it, it would be pretty cool. that's kind of the uh the end of the line for for uh mel and kim both um 
they're worth noting though um the uh record label took where is love which was an old mel and kim song um that had never been released i guess that was probably intended for that second album um and re-released it just back in february of this year um and you can find it on spotify the whole thing is there the problem is they took the vocals and then did all this kind of BS, like modern dance music production that made it very not Mel and Kim. Anti. I know. But if you listen to just like the radio edit, it sounds decently Mel and Kim. Yeah. I mean, it's, so it's it kind of cool to get a new Mel and Kim song in 2018. It could be worse, but I mean, it just feels like, I don't know if there's an unreleased 80s song that would be fun. And it's not like there's no room for that in the music industry now. There's plenty of it. Things sound like that. Like, don't make an 80s song sound not 80s. Just let it be 80s, and it's okay. People are going to like it. Thank let you. it be what it is. I know. I have a couple of, um, um, you know, I started buying 12-inch singles in the mid-2000s, and I remember buying one that I think had an updated remix of Fascinated by Company B on it. Mm. And the sticker on the label said something like, re-energized for today's ear. Oh, kill me. And I was just like... You mean made completely worse and everything that's good about it taken out of it? Like made made super worse because the most successful band around right now is Fallout Boy. Yeah. Like we really want to, yeah, exactly. Like we really want to yeah. aspire to yeah. that. No oh, thanks, but I boy. think I don't think today's ear has proven that it has any authority to talk about what sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Oh Lord. Okay. Anyway, thank you very much to Stan B for suggesting this episode. Yeah, I wanted to talk about Mel and Kim for a long time. I love them. They're so cute. Their fashion is wonderful. All their videos are great. It was a great episode, great suggestion. So very much appreciate that. Um, if you would like to email us and suggest an artist that you think we should cover, you can do so on our website, which is offbeattrackscast.com. And we are also on Twitter, where we receive tweets at offbeat tracks i forgot what it was at first offbeat tracks <laughs> yeah at offbeat tracks. Start, i saw you were just like slipping in the middle of that sentence like, oh, like oh, 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 okay we're <laughs> at offbeat tracks <laughs> <laughs> i'll say it all day yes. get it tattooed on you we will be back next week talking about uh someone who is also british and from the same era so get yeah, ready for we're, it we're on a thing right now i guess yeah we are yeah. see you next week